So good morning again, everyone. It's our last day of discussion. It's been very nice to be with all of you. And special day today as the auspicious birthday of Ashram Maharaj. Adibo! Adibo! <laughs> Maharaj turns 69 this, this, this year. I can remember hearing that my guru was 69 years old when he came to America. I was thinking, man, that's old. <laughs> He's old. Old soul. I'm just a couple of years behind Maharaj at 67. So, still feels like 27. <laughs> Which is about how old I was. I think 29 when Prabhupada left. But um, Maharaj is, of course, a very faithful member of Prabhupada's institution for many years and um, um, had direct association with His Divine Grace and discussions with him about important issues in, uh, in his society at the time, especially issues with regard to uh, sectarianism, as I recall, in Hawaii, this was many years ago. And um, Prabhupada gave him some very salient uh, advice through his example of dealing with such issues, advice that he very much has taken to heart. And as we see, he's been able to rise above much of the uh, um, unfortunate uh, sectarianism in a pejorative sense that we find in the Gaudiya uh, community. That's a very unfortunate thing, something that Bhaktivinoda Thakur uh, described as the enemy of progress. Obviously, there is a positive um, sense to sectarianism. There is a need for different sects um, with different uh, nuanced expressions of the singular uh, philosophy of Gaudiya Vedanta. Um, such differences ornament the, uh, the singular uh, philosophy. But there is a sense in which sectarianism becomes problematic, and um, that's very unfortunate. So um, it's apparent that Maharaj took to heart those uh, discussions that uh, he probably remembers very, very well, has, has um, uh, described to me at times that he had with Prabhupada. Prabhupada also gave him some personal service <laughs> to... Uh, to preach in in, uh, in Latin America, I believe. So I was able to get him to Latin America. Maybe that's as far, as close to that as you've gotten. And he has preached there in Madhuvan. And in fact, he was in Madhuvan, our ashram in Costa Rica, in the days when there were avalanches and mudslides and it was uh, all you could do to uh, survive. My poor Chandra was there at the time. Gurnishta, I believe, right? Yeah. So he was a pioneer um, uh, that uh, project, which is coming along nicely, and some of you here have visited, and of course you're all welcome 
to visit again or to visit for the first time. Madhavan, incidentally, as an aside, when we acquired the property, I thought, oh, this will be good for my Polish students. They can come and spend time with me here because it's difficult for them to get visas to the United States. So some of you have taken advantage of that, and uh, we uh, invite others to do so as well. But uh, Maharaj helped us with that project, and um, he's he's been a preaching um, feature at all of our ashrams in California, at Audari, at Saragrahi. He spent considerable time there as well. And at present, um, he's more or less based out of our project in the Midwest in um, what's called Cowtown, um, for some of the wrong reasons, that's, which is Kansas City hmm? area. Kansas City, precisely. Um, it happens to be called Cowtown, which is interesting, but it's the, it's a place where there are probably more cows than anywhere in America, but they're treated not very well there, unfortunately. So uh, we have a small project there in Kansas City uh, called Bhaktivan, and, um, and Maharaj has been uh, a feature there for some time, hosted there, and uh, doing outreach in the Midwest of the United States, the central grain belt of the, of the, uh, of the country. Um, tends to be a little, perhaps, conservative, but there are pockets of devotees throughout the area that don't get frequented by Paribrajak traveling sannyasis, so Maharaj has a bit of a circuit there, and it, it extends beyond that as well to places like Poland, <laughs> where he's uh, come now for the second time, I believe, and, uh, and uh, I think he'd be a regular uh, feature here, very much appreciated by all the devotees, as we know, and I think that will come out in the course of today's um, uh, remembrance of this day in which we commemorate his appearance in the world. Um, it reminds me of um, um, a story, an anecdote, uh, related to me by a godbrother who was sitting on the veranda of Pujapad Sridharmarj in Nadia, and where he would uh, generously give his darshan two hours in the morning, two hours in the evening, for those of us at the time who were Prabhupada's disciples, seeking a meaningful and substantial shelter, thought to be renegades who wanted to be independent, but our perspective was that we wanted to be sheltered, and and um, and Prabhupada had opened the door the, to uh, take the shelter of Sridhar So at any rate, one of my gobblers announced to Pujapad Sridhar on this day that that Guru Marsh, today is a very inauspicious day. And Pujapad Sridhar said, really, what, what happened? What, you know, what's, what's the event? And uh, the devotee said, well, today's my birthday. So it's a very inauspicious day because I took birth in the material world and, and so forth. <laughs> and Sridhar Marsh, from the, you know, the bhakti perspective that we were, that we've been talking about, how bhakti has the power to turn the inauspicious into the auspicious, how love turns faults into ornaments and so forth. He said, no, you should not think like that. It's a very auspicious day because in this birth, you have a human birth. Jalaja, Navalakshani, Stabalaksha, Vimshati, quoted from the Purana that 
It speaks about different forms of life and so many aquatics, so many types of uh, reptiles, so many types of insects, so many types of birds, and Chaktulakshani Mahanava. Amongst them, humans, there are a variety of species, and they are the rarest. And as Chaitanya Charitamrita goes on to say, amongst the humans, then those who have sadhu sangha and so forth, the auspiciousness of the birth um, uh, increases from human birth, which is rare, to human birth and sadhu sangha. The poet and the great devotee Govinda Das says, Dulabhamana bhajanama satsangha taraha e bhava sindure. To taraha, to cross over the bhava sindhu, the ocean of material existence. Uh, if you have these two things, which are dulaba, hmm, difficult to get, you'll be successful. That is dulaba manava janama, hmm, birth as a human, and satsange, hmm, to have association with with the real, hmm, that which is real, which is essential, with sadhus, mingled with Vaishnavas. So he told this devotee, Sridharmaraj, you have human birth, and you have a guru, Vaishnav guru, he said, it's such an auspicious birth for you, so so rare. Hmm? To speak of in the room on the end of our finger, there are more living beings than we could possibly count. Hmm? In micro, microbic <laughs> forms. Uh, so we are a very rare species here. Hmm? And, uh, and on top of that... Uh, uh, we have uh, association of, of one another, so satsanga. So they're very auspicious, and this is what you need. Um, this is sufficient to cross over the ocean of material existence. And uh, as Govinda Das says, come under the shelter of the lotus feet of Govinda. Bajahure abai charanara bindure. Very nice song. So. Um, it's this kind of birth that we're celebrating in the ca- case of Maharaj. And not only has he had sadhu sangha, but he's become a sadhu. Hmm? So how auspicious can that be? So we should try to take advantage of his uh, good company. Maharaj is a very um, a down-to-earth person. And uh, he came to the sannyas ashram. I think he told a story the other day, someone mentioned to me. How he had a dream, and Prabhupada told him to take sannyas from, from, from me, isn't it? And um, I helped to pull him out of his prior situation, <laughs> and there was a little prying to be done. But uh, but um, he was a, a willing person. Uh, but unlike many, um, and I don't know how much. Um, of his own story Marsh told, but it was told to me the other day that this topic came up about his taking sannyas and how does it feel to be, for him to be a sannyasi and so forth. But unlike many, uh, so forgive me if I'm repeating something Marsh has already said, he had a very um, copacetic, uh, would that be the right word, family life. Uh, there were no issues. There were, there, he wasn't leaving his family life because... He was frustrated with his uh, wife and family, and people often are, as as we know, and it becomes an excuse for 
renunciation in this regard. I was once sitting with Pujapad Sridhar Maharaj alone, and he said that Swami Maharaj, how he affectionately referred to Prabhupada by his sannyas name, that's the sannyas name of my gurus, Swami Maharaj. Um, Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj. Swami is one of the 108 sannyas names given by Bhakti Siddhanta. Um, so the sannyas, incidentally, name is given like this in a, in a school, in the institution of sannyas formed by Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. Uh, Bhakti is part of the name, and then a two or three syllable uh, word that somehow characterizes the person. So Bhakti Bhaibhava, Bhakti um, Sri Rupa, Bhakti um, Vedanta, hmm? Bhakti Siddhanta, Bhakti this or Bhakti that, and then the sannyas name, Puri, Aranya, Ashram, Tirtha, Saraswati, Paramadveti, hmm? and so forth. So, Prabhupada's sannyas name is Bhaktivedanta. Swami is one of them. Goswami is one of the sannyasi names. So, Bhaktivedanta, Swami. Hmm? Then the Maharaj, you know, it's an extra. Uh, he's a king of the, conqueror of the, of the kings of the world, which are the senses. So, this is the sannyas name. So, um, um, so what? How, do, how we got there? Uh, um, Sri Chidamarsh was saying that Swami Maharaj, he was, I was sitting with him alone, he said, Swami Maharaj, uh, he wanted to take sannyas and he came to me, to my ashram. Hmm? And he asked me for sannyas. And he said, at the time, I was a little hesitant because of two reasons. I thought that, first of all, I know his family very well because I lived with him for six years in Calcutta after the, after the disappearance of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. And I'm a little concerned that if I give him sannyas, his family will come here and cause, cause a trouble at my ashram. Hmm? <laughs> and I like to have peace and... <laughs> That's so this is his backward kind of pushing inward uh, in introverted nature. Hmm? <laughs> and, um, and incidentally, when he did take sannyas ultimately from Keshav Marsh, they did cause some commotion, his family members. But at any rate, he said, and the other reason is that, that you know, sometimes because of something goes wrong with the family or you woke up on the wrong side of the bed and and that morning, and you decide, oh, I'm going to take sannyas, and, and so forth. Would, this, this would be a motive. And so I thought it better, you know, that he wait a little maybe and see if he really wants to leave the ashram and, and so forth. And, of course, so this happens sometimes. And Sridhar Marsh was a little cautious about that. Of course, then he said, but he didn't care for that. And he was so driven to serve our Guru Maharaj and thinking that was a necessity that he just up and went to Keshav Maharaj and took sannyas from him and, and he has become the great sannyasi that he is and so forth. So my point only is that Maharaj didn't come out of a situation like that where the, the family life was pinching him and, and, and just to avoid something, to 
take sannyas. But he had a very um, um, a devotee wife who was a good devotee. They had a good situation. They rose, raised two, two, two daughters, beautiful daughters, um, and, uh, and so forth. But he had the call, if you will, and Prabhupada appeared to him and, and pushed him as well in this direction. And uh, so I had to play my, my part and and Maharaj has become, as I say, a, a sadhu. So human birth, sadhu sangha, and he has become a sadhu. It means that he's very much taken advantage of the sadhu sangha. And that is our idea here. We're not here, of course, as you know, I've often said, to make disciples. We're here to make gurus. So hurry up. <laughs> we, we, need, we need more gurus. <laughs> So the good student is a good teacher. Right? If you hear well, listen well, then you can then you can speak well. Hmm? And speaking, this is this is our our method, hmm? kirtan. Hmm? Who is the devotee? Who is the example um, that uh, became perfect by kirtan? Who can say? Who became perfect by kirtan? Shukadev, different kind of kirtan. Hmm? You think he has to has to be like this? No. Sugadev became perfect by kirtan. His kirtan was Srimad Bhagavatam. Hmm? So this dynamic idea of kirtan that we find in the in the innovation of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, who, for example, coined the phrase Brihat Murdanga hmm? in reference to the press, the printing press. He would say that. This drum can be heard a couple of hundred meters hmm? in Kirtan, like we were doing. But the printing press can be heard around the world. Hmm? So we will do this dyna- focus on this kind of dynamic idea of Kirtan hmm? and taking the teachings, printing. I mean, it, it doesn't seem like it may be as revolutionary to us now because there are. So many you can you can print on your desktop, you know. But these were times when it was not very um, customary for Vaishnavas to be engaged in book printing, publishing, and distribution, and so forth. Even in modern times, from Gaudiamat, I heard one sannyasi say, "This book distribution that is just uh, karma, nishkam karma, or some book sales." Hmm? Later, he was given a different uh, vision of it by Krishna's grace and he had a, another understanding that it, in, in light of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur the dynamic idea of kirtan hmm? kirtan as a means a kirtan as a way and as a goal I mean this is the teaching it is the way and it is the goal we gave a nice we heard a nice uh, explanation this morning from sacred preface of the method to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's madness. His madness, of course, is very much um, uh, showcased in the Antilila of Chaitanya Charitamrita. There, as we heard this morning, he lived in the Gambira. Gambira means deep. Hmm? Deep. He lived deeply within, within, within his, his own heart. Hmm? So much so that his accommodations externally were of little or no consequence. The Gambira is like 
six by eight by ten room or something like that, made out of stone, with no windows. Hmm? And he lived in such a small, uh, reclusive place in Antilila, but in his heart was an idea that was so big that it could drown the whole world. Hmm? In the ecstasy of the potential of consciousness in relation to its uh, source, Bhagavan Sri Krishna. Uh, it's an amazing story, hmm. the story of our Eastern Savior, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And how did he get there? This is the point. How was he able to sit and enter into, uh, retire from the public life into the private life of Bhajan, which, which is, you can see what is the private life of Bhajan from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. The private life of Bhajan is... Um, some uh, obliviousness to the external world. One time Pujapad Sridhar Maharaj told me that he, a famous um, Siddha Mahatma was in the area, so-called Siddha Mahatma. Hmm? And um, he would show signs of ecstasy. And so he was in the vicinity and he went to the temple where he was coming and sure enough, there was kirtan, and the, this fellow started drooling and other things, and uh, became apparently oblivious to the external world. And Sridhar Maharaj was standing right next to him, and there was a, on the altar was Gore and Nitai. So Sridhar Maharaj asked him, he just reached out and said to him, which one is Gore and which one is Nitai? And immediately he responded as he was fully conscious, the present, aware and in, in, the, in the external um, moment and began to talk to him. And Sridhar Maharaj concluded from that that he wasn't as gone, you know, as he was making out to be, if you will. Hmm? Look at the example of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in his life of bhajan. When he would enter into the, a trance that might be something that could be imitated by someone with practice, hmm? even the kirtan loudly chanted by all of his associates and led by Sarup Damodar, a kirtan with feeling, you can imagine. Sarup Damodar knew the heart of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and revealed it to Rupa Goswami. When Mahaprabhu fell into the trance and to bring him out, Sarup led the kirtan. These are all nityasiddha, nityasiddha, kodimani, what is it? Nityasiddha... Hmm? What kind of kirtan they can do? Hmm? And when they did kirtan, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu finally woke up after some time, came to external consciousness and said, I was with Krishna, somebody made a noise and brought me out of my, my trance. This is how we refer to the ecstatic kirtan of Sarup Damodar. So how deep was the Gambira hmm, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? How deep of a place did he live in his bhajan life? Hmm? Hmm? This is not to be imitated. We can practice, we can try. One of my other godbrothers who was a sannyasi, he once said to Prabhupada, that Prabhupada, I would like to just sit in Mayapur and do Harinam. Hmm? 
chant japa. And Prabhupada said, try it. Go for it. So he had a little grass hut in Mayapur, and he was chanting 200 rounds a day. One week, two weeks, came down to 150 rounds, 108 rounds. That's how, I'll do 108. That's good. Like this. He told me the story. But then he said three weeks, a little under 108, and then four weeks, he started to think, are they going to bring me any sweets today? Because they would bring a meal once a day. Are they going to bring that same doll? Or is it in other thoughts? <laughs> started to preoccupy him. So he didn't last a month. He came out and he went to Prabhupada and told what happened. And Prabhupada chuckled and he said, So, you go out and do Nam Kirtan and preach. Then come back in ten years and try again. Hmm? So, the Kirtan in the dynamic idea of Kirtana Bhaktisiddhanta Sastri Thakur, which we see, and this is what we heard this morning in our reading, in the life of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, showing kindness to jivas, jivadai, Krishna, what is it? Sarva Dharma Krishna, um, yeah. jivadai Krishna Nam, Sarva Dharma Sar. Hmm? Chanting the name of Krishna and showing kindness to the jivas, this is the essence of the Dharma. In the life of the Mahaprabhu, we see he was a public figure. He was very active. He was traveling. He was sharing the teachings with others um, and, and so forth. He started his kirtan in Nadia and he wasn't letting anybody in except his own internal associates. But in order to make that kirtan in, in Navadweep, in Shiva's Angan, available, accessible to others, he came out and showed the way. What is the way that Mahaprabhu showed? He did not so show, sit down, here is a Siddha Pranali, you do like this. He didn't, that may be something, some people do, but it's not exactly what Mahaprabhu showed. Hmm? He showed, do kirtan, widely. Talk to kings. Hmm? Right? Talk to the academics, like Raj Pataparudra, Bhattacharya Sarvabhoma. Hmm? Raj Pataparudra was the king of Puri, he was a big king, Gajapati, lord of elephants. It means he had many elephants, and it takes a lot of money to feed an elephant every day. They eat 200 pounds of food a day. So a man who could keep, or a woman who could keep elephants, was a powerful person. And he was powerful in, also in, in the sense that the, the Muslims who were occupying much of India could not penetrate into Jagannath Puri. Hmm? So he was protecting the deity and the pilgrimage place for Hindu pilgrims uh, successfully. So he was a big king. And this is who Chaitanya Mahaprabhu converted. Hmm? And Bhattacharya Sarvabhoma was the greatest logician in, in all of India. Hmm? Only one closer who became more famous was Raghunath Shiromani, his student. The story of Bhattacharya Sarvabhoma is that, that he hailed from Bengal. He, he knew Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's uh, parents and grandparents. And, um, and at the time, Matila was the seat of learning in India and not Navadweep. And so Bhattacharya Sarvabhoma went there, to Matila, to learn the Nav- what was popular at the time, the Navanyaya hmm, type of philosophy. 
Um, so he wanted to take the book that they were teaching from to Navadvip, but they wouldn't let him take it out of Navadvip. So, but the Charitasarvamo memorized the book, hmm? and then he ta- taught in 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 Nadia, and Nadia became the capital of learning, um, and. Um, and his student, Raghunath Siramani, he had the desire to be the greatest known scholar in all of India. You know the story, that he was riding in a boat with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and he said to Nimai Pandit that I have written a book on logic and I would like you to look at it and give me your opinion. My desire is to be the most famous scholar in all of India. So Mahaprabhu looked at the book and he said, it's very nice. You've done a very good job. I've also written one. And Mahabrabhu produced a book and gave it to Raghunath. And Raghunath started reading the book and he began to weep. Mahabrabhu said, my book is making you weep. What is the problem? He said, I wanted to be the most learned scholar in all of India. And with your book, it makes my book look like a kindergarten. Like, yeah. And so Mahaprabhu said, well, give it back to me. And Raghunath gave him the book and Mahaprabhu threw it in the Ganges. And Raghunath became the most famous scholar in all of India, student of Bhattacharya Sarvabhoma, whose, I think, name is in the Encyclopedia Britannica, uh, Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya, with regard to Indian logicians. So Mahaprabhu converted him. He talked to the academics. He penetrated academia. He penetrated the the, the political um, circles hmm? and the religious circles. Also, the conversion of Prakasananda Saraswati in in Banares, the conversion of Venkata Bhatta in in Shirangam, the capital of the uh, Sri Sampradaya and so forth. So this was the kind of life he was leading, the kind of example he was uh, leading we, we see in Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur's mission a similar type of approach hmm, or a method to arrive at the madness of the internal life that retires one from the public life in due course and gives one access to the kirtan in, in Navadweep, in the courtyard of Srivast Thakur. So there's a method. Hmm? We see this. Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur spoke with the, the dignitaries of, of, of the political figures of, of Britain, of England, who was occupying India at the time, about Gaudiya Vaishnavism, made some headway with them. And, and he, and through, and that, to some extent, through his innovations, there was a famous letter from a British lady who had written back to home about having met a sadhu in India that she was really impressed with. Hmm? And she said, and he even uses a British toilet. This was Bhakti Siddhanta's, one of his innovations to get the people to, the British to, to feel at home with, uh, with Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So he was prepared to as we know, to serve meat at a meeting to the British if the leaders would come to hear about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu if, if necessary. These were his innovations. Pujapat Sridhar told me 
that he heard Saraswati Thakur say that, and Prabhupada also said he heard him say that, and they both responded the same way, like, oh, how is it possible? Hmm. And Siddhamar said, but he was living in, a, with, he had Vaikuntha Vritti. Hmm. He had on his chitta the Vritti of Vaikuntha. Hmm. Um, he could turn everything upside down, make the material into the spiritual and so forth. So we see this in my Guru Maharaj also in his wide campaign. He became, a, a, at some point, his Hare Krishna movement in his presence became a concern for the United States government. Hmm? It's becoming epidemic, a, epidemic. Some politicians said probably like that kind of comment. And... Uh, and um, also, he meet, met with different religious leaders at the, at the time in his campaign. And, uh, and of course, he made such big uh, inroads into the academic community with his kirtan mm-hmm. that at the time, anywhere in, 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 in the study of uh, Indology, uh, any, any, any course on Hinduism in the United States and Europe practically would teach that what Hinduism is about is attaining uh, monistic liberation, mukti. Understanding of the different nuanced forms of Vedanta, like Vishishta Dvaita, Dvaita Vad, Shuddha Dvaita, Veda Ved, Achintya Veda Ved, and so forth. This is practically, practically unknown. Hmm? And Prabhupada uh, through his campaign, he, 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 he glorified, as Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur did, all these Vaishnava schools, and he deprecated the monastic uh, school um, in a way that brought to light the fact that Hinduism is more uh, nuanced and, uh, and Vedanta as well. So he was a great uh, and successful champion of theistic Vedanta. This is the way in one sense, in which the prophecy of Bhaktivinoda Thakur has been fulfilled. He said that in Kali Yuga, all the Vaishnav Sampradayas will come under the banner of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Well, what has happened, at least thus far, is they've all gotten energy from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's campaign. And that led by our Paribar, by Bhaktivinoda, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasri Thakur, and, and my Guru Maharaj and others following. Mm-hmm. In other words, now you can find Ramanuja temples. There's the Shisampradaya in the United States. I'm not so familiar with the situation in Europe, but in the United States you can find... Uh, and Prabhupada like, made a bridge hmm, from India to go across a, a journey that many in, 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 in the traditional schools of Hinduism and Vedanta thought... You can't. If you go across the ocean, you're finished. If you if you if if you go across the ocean, where they have no caste, no varnashram, anything like this, what will become of you? Hmm? Prabhupada went and showed the way. He made it possible for them to come. Hmm? And um, even the madhvas that are very very insular, hmm? there are now some charges of the madhvas under the influence of, of our Paribar's campaign that have come out a little bit. And, and uh, the, the Balabha Sampradaya also, 
Sudadvaita Sampradaya, they've gotten energy from our mission, from both its positives and its negatives. <laughs> Sometimes our mission has some negatives and people leave it and then they go to other Vaishnava schools and give them energy. So one way or another, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's campaign has given life to the other schools of Vaishnava Vedanta in, in, in our time, the Kali Yuga. So we're very proud to be uh, members of this uh, particular lineage within Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And it is the singular um, uh, paribar or sect, family, community of within Gaudiya Vaishnavism that has this type of emphasis for outreach and sharing the teachings in dynamic ways and interfacing with m- the modern world and giving a rational presentation. You should understand, this is our legacy. We have to live up to this. That's what Bhaktivinoda Thakur was doing. And in his own way, my Guru Maharaj was as well, and Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur was as well. And you have to look at the history. How Bhaktivinoda was speaking, in some ways, is very different from how my Guru Maharaj spoke, and also from Bhaktisiddhanta. So much different was the presentation of Bhaktisiddhanta from Bhaktivinoda that some people thought he wasn't a follower of Bhaktivinoda. Hmm? But different times and different circumstances require different uh, adjusting of, of, of the details to deliver the principle. Hmm? It's our business, in, in, the, in the words of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur, to keep the current of Bhakti Vinod alive in the world. And it's a very dynamic current. We spoke about this a little bit the other day. Um, and uh, so... Um, it is a very much a, a, a current of 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 audarya of sharing the inner wealth that we've received, and trying to use your your brain and your mind to figure out how to how to where to start uh, when somebody says, you know, what are those beads on your neck, something like that, and how you'll you know present it to them and so forth. This has great capacity to absorb the mind. Is the point? Hmm? Uh, you know, there, there are other party bars, other sects of Gaudiya Vaishnava, and they have different approaches and so forth, the same teaching, of course, but many of them are more reclusive in their, um, characteristically. And um, one of the objections to them on Prabhupada's part was, if, 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 we, if we start speaking about that, then the preaching will stop. Hmm. Practically, it's true. Hmm. And if you do preaching, this is my point, <laughs> all that they're talking about, they will come in your heart. Hmm. And you'll be able to sit and retire in the Gambira hmm, with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And you won't be able to say anymore. Hmm. You won't be able to talk about that which is ineffable. Hmm. Uh, not that there isn't a place for hearing the theory and I give a fair amount of it and so forth. Um, what is the ideal? What is the prayojan? Some lila kata. Hmm? This is, uh, of course, very relishable and sweet and charming and it draws us in and so forth. But what that lila is really about, that will be understood by Chetu Dharpana Marjana, by, by by the, by the 
the, the cleansing of the heart and and uh, this kirtan is most recommended for the, this and the dynamic idea of the kirtan of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasitakura in the modern world. It has great power, properly understood. It can be abused, misunderstood, and turned into a sectarian um, uh, enemy of progress, again, to cite words of Bhakti Vinod Thakur, so we have to be careful about that, uh, that that doesn't happen to us. But it is the way to the Gambira that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has shown himself personally. Hmm? That if you want Bhakti Rasa, hmm? the way to Bhakti Rasa is Jivadaya. Krishna Dham, Krishna Nam and Jivadaya. To kindness to other, other Jivas in the context of, of Krishna Sankirtan, really. Hmm? In other words, as we heard this morning, compassion is a form of love. Hmm? You, as full as you are, then you can share. Hmm? And, and really this preaching is, it should arise out of compassion. We should practice in such a way that compassion arises in the heart as an overflowing and we feel, if I could reach out and touch that person, what it would mean to them in their eternal sojourn, what it would mean. I can remember myself as a young, young man um, selling Prabhupada's books in the Los Angeles airport. Hmm? I used to carry in the beginning of a suitcase full of books and be disguised in secular dress because it was illegal. But I thought that in this one place, people coming from all over the world and going all over the world, if I sell a book here, it will go all over the world. It will go to Poland, hmm. even. Hmm. <laughs> and so forth. So I was thinking like this, and blessed with the uh, some ecstasy as to this, the, what I was involved in, carrying a suitcase full of the Grantaraj, Srimad Bhagavatam, hmm? the, uh, the, 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 the New Testament of the Veda, the heart the very heart of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. All these verses going through my mind, chanting them, thinking I'm carrying, this was a new thing. Prabhupada published like six, six volumes of the Bhagavad Gita, the first canto in three volumes, the second canto in two, and the first, third canto, unfinished, first volume. This is the first hardback editions of the Bhagavatam that we had. So I was carrying them in a suitcase like this and thinking, if I just touch somebody with one of these books, their life will change. What a good, what a, what a fortunate position to be in and it mandates by understanding its own nature that it be shared. If I understand my good fortune, then then I don't have to be told to go and share this. So to understand it and to share it and then to understand it more and to share it and to understand it more until you've understood it so well that you cannot even talk about it anymore. 
it's it's beyond. You've talked about it so well, and you've understood it so well, and now you're saying things that are so deep that Krishna says, you know that about me? Even those things you know? And then he puts his hand over your mouth. Enough, come to me. You belong with me. You feel like that about me. You want to tell that to people. You come, live with me. Hmm? This is the Gambira. This is the internal life. So to enter into Bhakti Rasa, we have to pass through the low end of love in the form of compassion, which will be thought of as the high end of love in this world. Hmm? But it's the bottom of the ladder of, of love. Hmm? So we see this Mahavadanaya Avatar, Rupa Goswami described him as such and the deep compassion of Advaita that we heard about this morning. Hmm? And the example of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in this regard. And our Paribar was so proud that it showcases this. I mean, nobody does this. Hmm? So many lineages of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, nobody does like this. Only we do this like this. And even if we make some mistakes in doing it, we should be celebrated <laughs> for it. And then we should also be open to hearing corrections of something we might have that Prabhupada might have written, written without sharpening his pencil, leaving it to us to just sharpen the pencil, cross that T and dot that I. Yes, yes. This is some small service that we can, we can do. So, we're, here we are in celebrating the birthday of a person who's understood these points and his, his, who came out of a family life that was comfortable and devotional hmm? and successful, raising two daughters and, uh, the, and, uh, and uh, family of devotees and, and, and so forth, and still to make the world family his own. He came to my humble self <laughs> for the sannyas ashram, and, uh, and so it is a, a day very much worth um, honoring. Again, he has a human birth and sadhu sangha and that much more. He has become a sadhu and sharing his association. Sri Bhaktivedanta Ashram Maharaj Ki Jai. Gaud Premanandi. So, any, any other thoughts, questions? Yes. Uh, Wydaje mi się, że trochę było bez znaczenia, że tak pan nie nazwał mojej odnawę. I czy tak skandal za Rosławem wprowadził naszym stanowiacy jako ludzie do strategii nauczania czy coś więcej, niż w tym czasie istniała? Właśnie na Rosławem, co on mówił, bardzo wcześniej. So it seems that no czekania film, że film accept Sannyasa-ashram-as-a-preaching-strategy. Can we compare these two 
Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and what Bhakti Siddhanta did. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he took sannyas as a preaching strategy because if you were dressed in a red cloth hmm, or saffron cloth, then you would stand out. Hmm. When I was, went to India for the first time, I remember I came from Australia to India and landed in Madras. And then we took a, a train to Calcutta. And in Calcutta, in the street of Calcutta, it was an ocean of white-clad men. Hmm? Everybody in white dhoti. Very, very beautiful, actually. Hmm? And so reflecting on that at this moment, if there was one person wearing the saffron, he would obviously stand out in, in contrast Hmm? And so there is, uh, for the, the renunciate who is in a position to teach others, both theoretically and by example, uh, it makes sense for such a person to wear a uniform that they may be identified as such. And so at the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the sannyas dress had that kind of power hmm? that would automatically be given uh, respect and people would lend an ear to what the sannyasi has to say, but if you're wearing white, hey, you're just one of us. You know, so, you know, maybe we, maybe we listen to you, maybe we don't. Hmm? This is the external reason for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's sannyas. Um, there's an internal reason for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's sannyas as well. You know the story that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was teaching Nimai Pandit and uh, he was rather apparently strong in his preaching on one day and some of the Brahmin boys said, you know, hey, why do we have to listen to you? Hmm? And what's with you? You're always chanting, what do they say? They're always, you're always chanting um, Krishna Nam. No, you are always you are chanting, Mahaprabhu was chanting Gopi Gopi. Was happening. You are chanting Gopi Gopi. What's this? Uh, you, you should, if you want to become pious, you should chant Krishna Krishna. Mm-hmm. So Mahaprabhu heard Namaparad from them. Because chanting Krishna Nam is not in the realm of karma. It's not just for making you pious. It's for taking one to the Nirguna. And secondly, of course, he was chanting Gopi Gopi because he had gone for the moment into the mood of, 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 of Gopi Bhav and he was championing, championing the cause of the Gopis over Krishna's with regard to the love spat between Radha and Krishna. So he was deeply absorbed there. And so he, he took an exception for external reasons of Siddhanta and also because of his, his bhava and out of this came also the preaching strategy. Hmm? The sannyas of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is also internal rather than just a preaching strategy in that um, it is born in, 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 in Braj. Hmm? 
The sannyas of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is born in Braj because in the in the uh, Rasalila, when Krishna disappeared from Radha and gopis came together along the bank of the Jamuna and, be, and began doing kirtan, then Krishna came and examined their love for him in in separation and he humbly he was embarrassed by it the measure of it was extraordinary and he realized that they're tasting something that I although I am Rasaraj I have no access to and uh, he told them that the reason I disappeared is because I wanted to make your love for me grow fonder but it's so fond that it's it I would like to taste it myself. Hmm? So I cannot reciprocate in kind with you for the love with which you've approached me. Therefore, your saintliness, your sadhuness, your saintliness is its own virtue. Hmm? But if there's any way that I could possibly repay you, it would be this, that I would take a vow that I will take birth once in every day of Brahma as a sadhu and as a sadhu I will preach about Gopi Bhav and I will make devotees for you devotees of you this is Gaudi Vaishnavism so Chaitanya Mahaprabhu this is what is the verse Bhagavatam um, no, no. This verse of Bhagavatam. This is this is this is the birth of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He says, "How can I pay? I cannot repay you in a day of Brahma." So Sanatana Goswami has given a lead in Brihat Bhagavatamrita commentary on this verse that I have taken the lead from and extended a little bit for this type of. Explanation: Mahaprabhu is Krishna trying to repay the gopis. He's indebted to them. He cannot repay them. Hmm? So he's, they've completely exhausted his capacity to reciprocate. So he's become their disciple, hmm? is the point. Hmm? And, 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 and he's done it in the form of a sadhu to celebrate, glorify, to preach about gopi bhav in the world. What is the excellence of the gopis' love? Krishna. This is what Chaitanya Vaishnavism is is all about, and so this is this is his the internal side of his sannyas. So it, it is that's also an esoteric preaching strategy: <laughs> how to pay back the gopis. I'll have to take sannyas. So the enjoyer, Krishna, the playboy, has to become a renunciate. It's like. This is Krishna? He's, he's carrying the danda. Danda means punishment. It's not for punishing others, it's for punishing yourself. You think, my body, my mind, my words, only for Krishna's service. Like that. So, so of course, Nityananda Prabhu, when he saw Mahaprabhu carrying the danda, then he, he, he thought, what is this? This is, this is my Krishna, my, my brother. He's a, he's a supreme enjoyer. 
everyone should be serving him and, and, and he's carrying a danda like this I can break it and throw it in Mahaprabhu was upset with him from, for external reasons of course and he went on to Puri the head of the group but these are the stories of Chaitanya Charitamrita very charming but um, anyway there's an internal side and an external side to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's sannyas that said the sannyas institution of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsati Thakur um, yes there were renunciates in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. However, they were not uh, dressed in such a way as to stand out in the public hmm? and uh, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was. And Bhakti Siddhanta Sastri Thakur felt that there was a need uh, to educate the public as to what Gaudiya Vaishnavism was because the proper understanding of it was to a large extent lost, if not distorted, by members of the, of the tradition itself. And so, that's a time and circumstance call, if you will. Hmm? And he thought, so, these, uh, these Mayavadins, Ram Krishna, Vivekananda, people like this, they wear the saffron and people pay attention to them. And nobody pays attention to the Gaudias. Hmm? Amongst the pious educated Hindus, what to speak of the British, who were occupying the world, uh, and he wanted to conquer Britain with Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So, so he adjusted this, this detail and formed a sannyas order within Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And yes, it's, it's very much a, uh, a preaching strategy. At the same time, of course, the sannyasis are given the uh, esoteric, an esoteric mantra to chant. So it has an esoteric side to it with regard to the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the gopi bhav of, of, of uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. The sannyas mantra that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu received is different than the sannyas mantra that we receive. Hmm? Uh, there's they're opposites in, in, in a sense. Um, but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, is also different from us. <laughs> and he is, uh, he is Krishna trying to taste the, the Baba of Radha. Um, and we are trying to, he's trying to be Radha, we are trying to serve Radha. Anyway, so uh, there's an esoteric side to the sannyas as well in uh, Bhaktisiddhanta's mission. So, um, I don't know if I'm addressing all of your concerns in your question, but anyway, those are some thoughts. So, because previously, Guru Mahal mentioned that uh, teaching strategies has some limits. Yeah. Because they are applied according to time and circumstances. Yeah. So, we can accept in the, that in the future, the Sanyasa Ashram can disappear from this life? Yeah. Should be good, yeah. There'll always be renunciates. Hmm? It's possible. I mean, I, I don't see the, I don't see any reason for it this time. But it's possible. It's uh, um, that someone would not uh, continue that. If, uh, have to be a very dynamic person. I mean, I see personally at this time. I dress like this, and when I do, um, many people in traveling, they. They go. They want to let me know you're cool. That's cool. They go like, "Hi," you know. 
they like they acknowledge it. So there's this 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 this, this appreciation for cultural diversity and Eastern spirituality, and obviously this dress represents that, I find it's very, it works very well. I mean, some people don't like it, but some people do, and a lot of them. And you kind of bring them out by wearing the dress. And if you're going to preach it, it's not a bad idea to preach to people who are influenced by Eastern thought and alternative culture, if you're, if you're European or American, um, this is an Eastern teaching, and um, you know some people want to make it make it Western in every way, but I don't see the virtue of that in in every respect because I, I, I think the West needs to embrace cultural diversity and, and get off of its you know horse about you know European and and Western American exceptionalism. Hmm? I think this is a racist idea. <laughs> And it ignores the, 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 the contribution of the East that is very different in nature. It's a very subtle and inward uh, type of culture comparatively, the East to the West. And yeah, you can, the Western culture is about getting things and improving life materially. And the Eastern culture, from the very start, says that material success is an oxymoron. There is no success as long as you're material. Hmm? This is the heart of the you know of centuries of philosophy from India and from in the Far East as well. The extension of Hinduism in the form of Buddhism. I think these are very profound, deep, important ideas for human society. And we see today that in the scientific community, as much as the world is still you know people talk about postmodernism, which was supposed to be the retiring of modern science as a meta-narrative that, that would solve all the problems, modern science is, is still pretty predominant uh, in, in its influence and so forth, and it tends to be very materialistic. Hmm? Um, but with, the, with regard to the, the Achilles heel of materialism within science, which is explaining consciousness, that's where they short-circuit and they don't have an explanation. And every explanation that they have is an argument against one of their contemporaries' explanation. And there's, so to explain consciousness materially hmm, is, that's not going to happen. And, um, which means to make consciousness as a secondary thing rather than the foundational thing that, that is the basis of any argument or discussion that has to be there to begin with. Uh, you can't. You can dismiss everything, but you can't dismiss consciousness because it requires consciousness to dismiss anything. So consciousness is at the ground, and this is these are Eastern ideas. The Eastern world is grounded in this, and has a culture that arises out of it, and so forth. Hmm? But anyway, in modern science, where they try to now consciousness has become a topic, a hot topic for a few decades now. They try to explain it materially. They can't, and if it's anywhere that they've turned to hmm, for an alternative explanation of consciousness, it's to it's to the East, it's to Vedanta, it's to to, to Buddhism, and so forth, hmm, where this has been talked about, talked about, not only talked about, not in the scientific terms in the way in which modern science talks about so-called reality, but not, but has been talked about, and it has been experienced and produced people who's speaking from their experience. Now you get the scientific community that says, yes, 
maybe consciousness is not reducible, you know, to physical matter. It's another compartment of matter or something, and uh, and and these religious experiences are good. They are only an illusion, but they're good because they do things, certain things for people, and and so forth. You know, well, go and have the experience before you want to tell us that you know you understand it's just a hallucination. Go and have it. Go and have it. Go and have it for one minute. A, a real, real ecstasy. Hmm? Hmm? If you could produce it in a machine by putting in a quarter, hmm? from my experience, if you could produce my experience in the realm of consciousness in a machine for a quarter or a dollar or $20, I can tell you people would be lined up around the world to put their quarter in and then they'd go back of the line to start again back of the line to start again (laughs) that is my experience it can close and and you all have some experience it can close down the whole the whole world it can make the whole world like a like a watercolor painting that you just thrown water on and it's all just dissolved in terms of its prospect to do anything for me to make me happy to give me any security to to, to, to give me any any knowledge Hmm? hmm so go and have the experience. You can talk about it. It's this, it's that. We think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw this one fellow once soon um, talking about it, materialistic uh, uh, person and, um, in a debate and, or a discussion. And he said, you know, we found this yogi in a cave and we, you know, we put these things on his brain and stuff, you know, and, then, and you know, he was talking about what his experience was, and, but he obviously didn't really know what his experience was because he didn't know this neuron was firing over here and that one was firing over here and, and so on and so forth and I just had to laugh I said no you don't understand what he was experiencing you're just seeing some external results of his experience it works both ways does the brain produce the experience or does the experience produce something in the brain hmm? anyway so the East it's valuable and it has a culture that arises out of its philosophical ideas, like take your shoes off before coming in the house. Hmm? It's a small thing, but it's really nice, isn't it? It's just really nice. It's a whole different way of looking at the world, speaking about the world, explaining the world poetically, positing gods and goddesses that you might revere nature as we should because we're dependent upon nature for every sensual pursuit that we're involved in. As I said the other morning, if the sun didn't rise, you wouldn't see. Hmm? Sight is dependent upon light. Hmm? And, you know, we're, they're not going to produce something that... a sun. <laughs> you know, when this one burns out, they're not going to produce another one. Hmm? So we're dependent upon nature. Our, we are a microcosm of the macrocosm and we have a relationship. And our relationship isn't to rape her. That's not what we're, what we're here for. Hmm? To abuse her and rape her and think that, we're going, that her secrets are going to be revealed by that. No, as I said, and we are the secret of nature. That na- Nature has a soul. In human life, nature se- reveals, I have a soul. Hmm? I have meaning. I have purpose. I have value. Hmm? Quality. I'm not just a quantitative... I'm a, and this is the fact. The world is 
the combination of the jivatma, jiva shakti, and maya shakti. Aparayamitastanyam prakritim vidimeparam jiva bhuta mahabaho yaedam dayate jagat. It's not just bhumirapa onalobayu kamano buddharebacha. It's aparayamitastanyam prakritim vidimeparam jiva bhuta and yaredam dayate jagat. It's the jivas giving meaning to the world, supporting it. So, um, anyway, Eastern ideas—they they have some, some 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 value. European exceptionalism is a very bigoted idea. Actually, it it it, it has its contributions. There's no doubt about that. It's value, and we as Vaishnavas, we also pay our respects to to modern science with some. It's not our God, but it's it's various accomplishments and so forth. Some of them may be useful, valuable. We appreciate it. We have no problem appreciating that. But but it's not the God that we put on our altar. We have other higher higher things, higher ideas to worship. These should be shared about. So I'm not sure how we got there talking about sannyas, but uh, somehow I you know went into that gear, but this, the, uh, you had asked the follow-up question about... Um, what did you say? Oh, will it ever end? Right. So that's what I was talking about. It's, I mean, I'm saying theoretically any preaching strategy, you know, could be changed, but... With, with regard to this preaching strategy of having a renounced order um, of Bhakti Siddhanta Sastitakur, I find it has value. When I dress like this, people see me and they, and so many people, they think it's positive. Oh, there's a monk. Hmm? He must be a Buddhist, they think. I, th- I, I think that's what they think. And sometimes they ask me, are you a Buddhist? I say, no, I'm a Hindu, actually. I'm a Hindu. Oh, that's cool. What's the difference? You know, <laughs> and so forth. So th- my point is that there is a place for this in the modern world. There, and, and in the Western world, there is a place for this in many people's minds. Hmm? So why not? If you're going to preach, why not work with them? Hmm? Work with them. There's millions of them, millions of them. In the United States, there's 17 million. Um, I think vegetarians. I, I would venture to say that a good number of them have a sympathy for Eastern spirituality. So why not dress for them and teach them? Amongst people who have some interest in Eastern spirituality, if you go anywhere in the yoga community, any yoga teacher will, will, will admit that, there's, we, that what we lack is philosophy. We've got a little bit, you're all one, and this and that, and then, but so more teaching we require. So... So much room for that. And if you could make, you know, inroads, if you could make 1.7 million people, devotees, they would say, then, then the politicians would be saying, and we want your vote. And uh, <laughs> I said, I got 1.7 million of them. I make my message sound good to the, to the Bodhi of Vaishnavas. Hmm? So, change the world. Hmm? Change yourself, right? So, I, uh, and this, you know, this type of attire, whether it be the sannyasi dress or the 
even the household dresses will stand out <laughs> in, the, in the Western world. Uh, it, uh, it's also good for devotees. It can help remind them of what they're about and, and uh, give rise to explain it to others. And when you start talking about what you're about, then you start saying, hmm, I'm saying it. <laughs> I hear my, what I'm, others have said it, now I'm saying it. <laughs> I better live up to it, something like that. I don't advocate that everybody put on exotic dress to go to work and, you know, and so on and so forth. Um, I think that can be a little overboard when people see, like, there's, like, ten people are all dressed like this. If they see one, you know, they think, okay, you know. But everybody, I think, because they would like to identify with it, but they don't want to become a monk, necessarily. So I think, you know, there's... You adjust, and there's a place for um, details being adjusted. But I, I do think that, um, again, I mean, the sannyasa order of Bhakti Siddhanta is just really another form of a renounced order in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So, I, what I mean to say, I guess, is that I think there's always a place for a renounced order in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, however, you want to package it. That's another thing. So if I say there might be a time when it's not required, I don't mean there's not a time when it's not required to have monastics and renounced people and who are like the lighthouses on the shore showing us who are still afloat in the ocean of material existence that there is land hmm, here. That's uh, important. Hmm, and that will always be there. Hmm. Jai. <laughs> Okay, so nice to speak with you all this morning. Let's carry on with the celebrations. Ashram Maharaj ki jai. Gauri Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jai. Gaur Bhaktivinda ki jai. Vaishnav Vrinda ki jai. Gaur Premanandi. Haribol.